<laughs> oh, man. Whew. I don't know why we keep putting this sermon after those baptisms. Uh, we should just call it a day at that point. Um, God, thank you for the mercy and the grace of the gospel. God, thank you that your arm was not too short to save um, a seven-year-old boy in nowhere southeast Texas. God, when I think about the stain of sin on my life, when I think about the judgment of a holy God against me, God, I know um, that I was born by nature a child of wrath and not deserving of the grace or love that you have extended to me, and yet you did in Christ and by the power of the Spirit. God, I thank you that you seek and save your people. God, I pray for generations of disciples. God, I pray even now for for Monty and for Nora and for Aniston. God, I pray that there would be moments in their lives ahead where people that they have discipled, that they have extended the love of Christ to, that they will stand in the waters alongside them. And whether they are kin by blood or not, they will become family in Christ. God, we thank you. God, we thank you that you have been writing a story of redemption that isn't just for the world at 30,000 feet, but it's up close for us. We thank you for the love of God in Jesus. We pray that you would warm our heart with the good news of the gospel. We pray all these things in the name of Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We cannot gather and not hear from God's word. And yet every time that we have a celebration Sunday and we baptize afterwards, I feel like we have already seen the word of God on display in so many ways. And so this is always, I feel like, a little bit of a difficult spot to be in because we've seen the word of God displayed in baptism and then we're gonna receive it and remember it and rehearse it in the Lord's Supper in just a moment. But there is a command on the church and a command on the pastors of the church to preach and to teach God's word. And we wanna draw our attention to what God says never returns void, which is the word of God. We are often encouraged by the testimony of one another and we are right to be encouraged because what God has done in our lives individually and corporately is encouraging and we should tell those stories. But there is one place that never fades and a flower that never perishes, and it's the word of God, which remains and stands forever. And so I just want to draw your attention to one reality, and I'm going to do it by looking in 1 Corinthians 12. You know, we've been journeying along and thinking through the spiritual gifts, and over the weeks ahead, we're going to dive into some of the deeper waters that are often tricky and confusing. That's not where we're going to go today, but in the weeks ahead, we're going to talk about prophecy and tongues, and healing. Why? Because the Bible talks about them. The Bible talks about them. And it's important for us to open God's word and say, what does God's word have to say about anything and everything? Part of the responsibility of the church is to help us as a community, as a community of theologians and worshipers to learn to think theologically and biblically about everything. Rather than how we feel about something or our social or political or economic take on a given issue, our question is always, what does the Bible say? That's where Christian discipleship begins. What does the Bible say? And so we're going to keep exploring this together. But today, I just want to encourage us and celebrate, as we have been, that God provides spiritual gifts to his people for the working out of the gospel ministry. God provides spiritual gifts for his people. If you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your life 
And part of the work of the Spirit in your life is to supply gifts that this church, not the church as an abstract concept, this church will be malnourished if you don't practice those gifts with us. There'll be a poverty. There will be a lack. God has gifted you as believers, particularly if I'm just speaking to the members of Mosaic. God has gifted you in ways, maybe that you're aware of or you're unaware of, and our church will be malnourished. It will be lacking if you don't walk in the practice of those gifts. We need you. We need one another. We're not meant to do this on our own. In the spiritual gifts that we find, we find really two big lists in the New Testament, things that definitely read as lists of spiritual gifts. I read one of them at the beginning of our service in 1 Corinthians 12. We find another one in Romans 12, 6 through 8. And in these two passages, we start to get a lay of the land of gifts. And 1 Peter doesn't give us a list. He really just kind of gives us two categories, gifts of speaking and gifts of serving. Gifts of speaking and gifts of serving. And in those two buckets, we find these names of certain gifts. You ready? For your note taker, you can write these down. But I'll also tell you, they're in Romans 12, 6 through 8 and 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. We hear about prophecy, which we'll talk more about in the weeks ahead. Service, teaching, exhortation, generosity, leadership, mercy, utterances of wisdom, utterances of knowledge, faith, healing, working of miracles, discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Now, some of those gifts feel very familiar to us, and some of them feel less familiar to us, and that's okay. It's okay that maybe right now, we're not entirely comfortable saying this is what prophecy is or what tongues is or what miracles are. We're gonna open up God's word over the next three weeks together and we're gonna explore those individually. Others of these gifts, they feel very comfortable to us. Service, leadership, teaching, mercy, generosity, exhortation. These feel like, of course, that's kind of the meat and potatoes of ministry in church life and our life in Christ together. But here is something you need to hear about all the gifts before we get into exploring particular gifts over the next few weeks. You ready? A few things. One, all of these gifts are given by God. They're all given by God. And as God-given gifts, they belong to God. The glory and the adoration and the celebration of them is redirected to God and therefore the benefit of our life together as a church. Our gifts are not to make our name great, but to magnify the name of the Lord. Now, we can choose to be a church that really, really, really prioritizes and celebrates gifting. Or we can be a church that says, you know what? We are going to place a priority on character and on the foundation of character. We'll celebrate God-given gifts given and used in God-prescribed ways. And that's the better path. That's the better path. All the spiritual gifts are given by God. They're all grace gifts from God. There's not a manual. There's not a book that you can go read and go, okay, I guess that's my gift. All the gifts are given by God. They are God's gifts to give. They're not our gifts to kind of train or wield or try to use on our own accord. They are given from God and by God so that we might give ourselves and the life of our church back to God. We've, we've celebrated some leaders today. We've put some deacon candidates in front of you. We believe that these leaders have been operating in some way, small or large, and practicing a spiritual gift that God's entrusted to them. And we want to honor their work and celebrate the God who has empowered it and is empowering it. 
All gifts, all the spiritual gifts are given by God. But all the spiritual gifts are good for the body. They're good for the church. They're good for our life together. We're to use them in ways that magnify God, but also bless and encourage one another, right? Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, he is telling us, listen, don't begin to prioritize one gifting over another. Let me read what was left off in the scripture we began with, just to kind of get this in your mind. 1 Corinthians 12, I read 4 through 11. I'm gonna move down and read verses 12 and following. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be as it is? There are many parts, yet one body. Paul in this passage is telling us all the gifts are given by God. And do you know what? They're all important. They're all important. They're all valuable, they're all profitable, and they are meant, they are given so that we can glorify God and bless one another. Now, it is easy for us, particularly as we journey into the weeks ahead, it will be easy for us to say, well, that gift sounds really important, maybe more important than these others. It is very easy often for a church to say, well, the gifts of speaking are really where leadership's at and the gifts of serving are really a neglected part or they're not really as cool or they're not really as essential. But the reality is that is not the witness of scripture. It's often the frailties of our flesh that lead us to believe those things. Because the fact is all the gifts that God gives are crucial for the life of the church. You need people given to leadership, mercy, generosity, exhortation, service, healing, faith, prayer. You need these gifts in the life of the church. If not, the church will be malnourished. There will be a poverty in the lack of these gifts. So all the gifts are given by God. All of them are vital and essential for the life of the church. And God is inviting us in this season, if we have it, to begin to ask prayerfully and humbly, God, what gifts have you provided me? Now, I want to speak to two people in this room. The first is the person who really has too low a view of them in Christ. Now, In our present age, I don't think that we tend towards the extreme of having a low self-view. I think we tend towards the extreme of having a pretty high view of self, right? I think culturally, we have a pretty inflated view of who we are and what we're capable of. But there are some, either through the pains of shame, hurt, betrayal, trauma, woundedness, fear of man, there are all sorts of frailties of the flesh and brokenness of the world that might have convinced some of you that you really are this despicable, inescapably unworthy individual. And I'm not speaking about someone who is separated from Christ. I'm talking about you, Christian. You have a very low, low view of what God thinks of you. And because of that, the idea that this church can benefit and that God can be glorified in you living out the ordinary, faithful, humble practice of these gifts, you might think, nobody really needs me. 
I don't really amount to much. I'm not really valuable. You can even clean that up sometimes in holy ways. Well, aren't I just a terrible, wicked sinner? Aren't all of my righteous deeds as filthy rags? But those are realities that are true of us before salvation in Christ. But once we experience it, God is inviting us in as a church family, not to say, wow, we're incredibly great, but to say, God is great, he has given me some gifts, and I want to use them in faithful, humble ways. We aren't all supposed to be like one another. We're supposed to be unified, but we're not supposed to be homogenous. Some of you have very different gifts than other people in the life of this church. And you're wondering, like, is there really a place for this here? And the Lord is inviting you in this season to say, you know what, I wonder if there's a way that God has gifted me in the unique ways that he has in order to glorify God and bless my brothers and sisters in Christ to bring the gospel to bear on every inch of this community in Richardson. The answer is he has. Let's explore that prayerfully together. That's one kind of person. There's another kind of person, and they've got a very high view of themselves. Very high view of themselves. This is where I think our flesh is often most easily tempted. Where it's kind of like, man, this thing really can't operate without me. Right? This ministry really couldn't operate without me. A sense of the absolute essentialness of you in the life of anything that you participate in. And we have to be careful of that temptation as well. Because the gifts that have been provided have been provided in a way that they're spread out so that the church can operate together. It's not good for you to try to be Lord over all things. It'll break you. It'll break you. And before it breaks you, you will break something around you. I assure you of it. God has given many gifts to all of us in the church so that we can operate together and we can work together. It doesn't have to fall on one person's shoulders. So maybe you're in a place where you're like, I don't know that I can step into something unless I'm the key central person. I'd really invite you to consider, could there be a more freeing in a better and a more sustainable way where we say, let's do this together as a family and fellowship with one another and move forward in faith and faithful partnership together? Now, you may be wondering, how do I find out what my spiritual gift is? And this is a really sensitive question. I want to be slow here. And this is the last thing I have for you. Because as we focus on particular spiritual gifts, the next few weeks, you should be asking the Lord, God, how have you gifted me? Maybe you already know. And you just need to start taking obedient steps into practice with it. But maybe for some of you, you're not so sure. Maybe you feel like, I don't really know that I have any of these gifts. How do we discern this? And it's a really vulnerable question. And I want to just caution you. There is an abundance of quizzes and inventories and little diagnostics and tests that you can go do. I think we should be generally skeptical of using diagnostics that the Bible doesn't prescribe to discern spiritual gifts that the Bible talks about. So I just wanna caution you. I know that that's a really easy place to go with this. And my encouragement would be maybe just abstain from that. I think that the Bible does lay out a pattern of helping us discern what he's up to in our life. And I think it begins with prayer. I think it begins with prayer of us just humbly asking the Lord in prayer as we study his word. God, would you show us how you've gifted us? Would you provide these gifts in our life? I think it begins with, the scripture says, seeking trusted counsel, right? And going around to the people who love Jesus and love us and saying, how have you seen any of the roots or fruits of these gifts in my life? Would you just maybe help me discern this a little bit? And we do it together. 
Maybe it's moving towards humble practice in attempts, going, I'm not so sure. Like, we've raised up a lot of lay teachers in our church, and almost every single one of them has told me in the first conversation, I don't think I'm really a good teacher. But do you know what happens? We find out that God is doing something in their life, and they can teach. Every person who's ever started or led a group that I know in my entire ministry, 13 years, they've said, you know what, I don't really think we're the best people to do this. And many of them end up leading healthy, vibrant groups where God does transformative work for a long time. Oftentimes, we just need to step into humble practice to start to realize that God is doing a holy work in our life. And then lastly, what do you like to do? God's wired you and designed you in unique ways, and that's okay. We don't all like the same stuff. I remember a year ago, I was sitting at my uh, computer, and I got an email saying that we were starting a men's summer golf league. I did not know that information until I saw the email. And I thought, that's awesome. I'm glad we're doing a men's summer golf league. You know who's not participating in it? This guy. Don't like golf. And when I first got the email, I thought, summer golf league. I mean, that's cool, but like, what's really gonna happen there? And the men who participated ended up forging really great relationships with one another. It cost Mosaic next to nothing. It had no staff leadership involved. It wasn't a staff member's idea. And it's maybe the most fruitful thing we've ever done to build relationships between men at Mosaic Church. That's just a couple of people using their gift and going, could we do this? Could we try it? Could we step out? And saying like, yeah, let's do it together. Let's go for it. I wonder what great idea you're sitting on that's gonna bless a ton of people. That's absolutely tied to some of the unique ways God's moved or worked in your life or wired you. I bet there's something there. I've said before and I'll say it again. Many of the best things that Mosaic has ever done have been the ideas of faithful members who just humbly and generously said, you know what, have we thought about this? You know, we're about to do Help Your Neighbor Day. You do realize Help Your Neighbor Day is not IP of Mosaic Church, right? It predates us. It wasn't my idea. It wasn't anyone else's idea. It was, it was a family being faithful in a neighborhood and saying, let's serve neighbors. And then the next year saying, should we invite some other people to help serve neighbors with this? And then going, yeah. And then the next year doing the same thing and the next year and the next year moving from one family on one block to countless families across many blocks. Some of the best things that we've done here, many of them have come from just faithful, generous, humble attempts of members whose imaginations are being soaked by scripture going, what about this? God has gifted our church in many ways and I am so proud and so thankful that you are here in the life of our church. Members of Mosaic, I can't tell you how grateful I am that you have been willing for five years across some real headwinds as a launch in 2018 of trying to find creative and faithful ways for us to serve and lead together. You have been faithful over and over and over again. You haven't just been faithful, you've been creative. You've had ideas. You've dreamed in kingdom color. And I know some of you are sitting on these dreams and I wanna hear them. How do we make this city better? How do we make this community stronger? How can our church be creative and faithful in bringing the gospel to bear on every square inch of Richardson? We need you. And the spiritual gifts have been provided by God so that we can glorify God, we can encourage one another, and we can bring the gospel to every square inch of Richardson. So let's do that together. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace and mercy in Jesus. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ, the members of Mosaic Church. I thank you for their faithfulness, their leadership, their servant-heartedness. God, I thank you 
for the way that you have preserved the unity of the church these last five years. And I pray, God, that you would inflame within us a joyful and warm partnership in the gospel. We're not all the same. Uh, We have different tastes, different preferences, different experiences, different wirings, different giftings. And it's good, God. Keep it bound up in joyful, glorious praise to you. Keep it focused on God and the glory of the triune God and allow us to let it just spill over in blessing to one another and to our neighbors in this city that we love. We pray all these things in the name of Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen.